Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Hello, everybody, and welcome to a bonus edition of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined as always by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can find us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. Today is Friday, Friday, December 4th, and uh, apparently there is a football game being played this week, despite the virus's best efforts to thwart it, Michigan State Unfortunately, we'll be playing Ohio State tomorrow. John, thoughts, condolences, anything you got? Ohio State wants to uh, catch an L in East Lansing. Ain't no problem, baby. Ain't no problem. <laughs> Ain't no thing. Um, so they, I'm into it. Ohio State is in a bit of a predicament. We already broke it down for you last podcast, but if uh, you're catching up quickly, they got to win. They got to win convincingly. And um, there's no guarantee that they'll play next week. So they gotta they gotta play Michigan State and, and score style points on top of getting a win if they want any chance of making the playoff. Because if they don't play either us this Saturday or next week versus Michigan, they don't qualify for the Big Ten championship, and uh, that puts them in a pretty precarious position as it relates to qualifying for the college football playoff. So first things first. They are 23.5-point favorites against Michigan State. Felt uh, actually a little low for me. Um, I would agree. But here's the thing, Austin. We don't know who's on, who is on their roster, who's available. And we will find out today, if you're listening Friday, you'll find out um, who is going to be made available for the game. It's a completely different game if certain names are left off of that list. 100 percent and uh, but i think the names you need to circle to be honest with you i really think there's only two that would go about making a massive difference in this game now the first and foremost is justin fields if mm-hmm. justin fields is not playing that listen ohio state's still the more talented team still should be the favorite to win but that makes this a a much different affair because you're, you've got an inexperienced uh, player behind him coming in. I actually, to be totally honest, you have not even looked to see who their backup is at this point. So um, that's how little uh, impact they potentially have on this roster. But Justin Fields, and then I think, um, you know, and, and we'll get into previewing what they actually look like as a team, but Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave, the receivers, uh, those are kind of the other two really standout guys, especially offensively. Um, you know, listen, if one of their running backs is out, they've got other good running backs. But it's going to be tough to replace one of those really high-impact receivers or the quarterback. And um, we might as well dive right in here uh, because Ohio State really does rely on that offense to carry them 
two wins or has in their four games this season. I mean, this, this team offensively is uh, about as elite as it can get. I mean, their lowest scoring game this year was 38 points. They've topped out at 52. Um, Justin Fields has thrown for under 300 yards one time. I mean, they've had a hundred yard receiver in every single game. It, it, you know, listen, the, the, the competition hasn't exactly been stellar. I mean, they've played Nebraska, Penn state Rutgers and in, in, in Indiana, I mean, Indiana, obviously a really quality team this year, but, you know, not exactly a murderer's row, as it were. But it's obvious that this is a very talented and top of the line group. I mean, Fields, again, like I said, thrown for over 1,200 yards in four games, 13 touchdowns, only three picks. Um, they've got two running backs that are over 200 something yards each. Master Teague, the third, and Trey Sermon, who's actually an Oklahoma transfer. Uh, they've run for almost a thousand yards in four games, um, as a team. And then they got two receivers that are basically both over 400 yards through four games in Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, um, and a T a TE and Jeremy Rucker who has three touchdowns. So offensively, I mean, you're really not getting anything that you haven't gotten from Ohio state in the past, especially last year. I mean, if anything, it's a, a souped up version of that offense, you know, Justin Fields, uh, I've been on the Justin Fields could end up going number one train for a while now. I think he's as quality a prospect as you're going to get for the NFL, you know, possibly this side of Trevor Lawrence, maybe right in that same neck of the woods. Um, and to me, John, if we're talking strictly about their offense, you know, I think Justin, to me, if I'm Michigan state and I'm looking at this offense, like you have to break it down into digestible parts, right? Like, what can we do? What can we try to take away from them? Um, and I really think that the way to approach this is to try and make, even despite all of the things that I just listed off about his level of accomplishments, is I think you have to try and make Justin Fields beat you. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because I, I think you, the, the more digestible win for Michigan State here is actually playing to their strengths and trying to control the running game. It's it's going to be near impossible to control that running game. I think uh, the most comparable thing we can provide is Indiana has given up 100 yards rushing a game outside of their game against Ohio State. And against Ohio State, um, Ohio State had 307 rushing yards. <laughs> Indiana's very capable defense. We've seen it. They shut Michigan State out. Now, granted, Michigan State's offense has its own problems, but I mean, that's Indiana's running defense, frankly, overall defense is stout. And Ohio State's uh, running game just had its way. The reason Indiana was able to hang in that game was because of Justin Fields trying to do too much. Like he was finessing things, like he was trying to make throws that um, weren't there. It, and he had he had throws there to make instead, you know, he was just forcing it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it should be noted, Ohio state was up 35 to seven in that game. So the gap between, you know, MSU and Ohio state is pretty immense. Um, but, but you're right. You have to, while Michigan state's rushing defense is strong and gives up 132 yards a game, which is very decent, very well above average. It's just not really realistic to just say, like, let's line them up and see what happens. Like, right. you, like we're, that's just a losing recipe. 
So, so you got to do something a little different. And, and if Justin Fields throws for 500 yards, then he throws for 500 yards. Right. right. But let's not at least get bludgeoned to death and, and slowly bleed out on the mat. When, when you're undermatched or we're overmatched, under talented, however you want to say it, um, you really got to sell out to do something as a defense. And then on the same, on the flip side as an offense, like, and as a defense here, like, uh, First of all, I think it's what Michigan State would rather do is stop the run and deal with the deal with the fallout after that. I feel like that's kind of always been the MO. And even this year, it's been what they've tried to do. Not always well, um, but they've proven that they have a, you know, of all of the elements of the defense, you know, that that run defense is really where they're going to win. And here's the thing. If the flip side of this is if you try to say, OK, we're going to take Justin Fields throwing ability away. What you have to do in order to do that is generate a consistent and significant pass rush. A, and, and Michigan State has shown no real ability to do that with any level of consistency this year. Plus, you then open up the idea of Justin Fields actually running in his own right. He's a very capable runner. He's over 100 yards rushing at three touchdowns already this year. He has carried the ball 42 times. So he's going to run the ball no matter what. But rather than sell out against that, um, you are against the pass and kind of like just, you know, and try to generate that pass rush. It's, you have to understand your limitations and, and kind of play to your strength at the same time. So Austin, if the, you know, it's not all doom and gloom, you know, we're going to provide some, some glimmers of hope. And I think one of them is the fact that Indiana um, was able to register five sacks on that um, offense on Ohio state's pass offense. Um, Justin Fields has a tendency to, um, you know, get dance, you know, wait too long. He, maybe his clock is off. Maybe he just wants, you know, he, he's shown an inability to, um, check down. I think an inability to, he wants the home run play. He wants to knock teams out immediately. Um, case in point, Ohio state has scored a touchdown on their first drive in every game this year. They run perfectly scripted first drives, but after that, he starts to want to keep keep that mo going and keep throwing haymakers instead of you know Ohio State could just you know trestle ball you to death and win. Justin doesn't want to do that. That's kind of been his demise. Um, demise is a is a strong word because they're undefeated. Yeah. It's a Heisman candidate. Um, but back to sacks. Those sacks, you know, while there were a handful that were just on straight up um, offensive line on defensive line, as you we know, and you watched Indiana, Michigan State, Indiana's defense is predicated on throwing exotic looks, meaning they don't really show who's even like on the line or who's blitzing and who's in coverage. And Michigan State's 425 defense, if if there's any chance at you know, disrupting this machine of an offense, it's going to have to become putting them into, uh, you know, second and longs, you know, immediately uh, to get them off schedule. And, mm-hmm. and the good news is it wasn't just Indiana that was able to get to the quarterback. Um, Ohio State's actually 13th in the conference in sacks allowed. They give up three a game. It's, it's not, you know, and so sure. if Michigan State can get to the quarterback and they're going to have to do it in unconventional ways, because it's just kind of, it's asking a lot for Jacob Hanishuk, um, Drew Beasley, uh, Naquan Jones, et cetera, to do it on their own. 
But if they can get to the quarterback, not only do you have to get to the quarterback, you have to strip the ball. You mm-hmm. just have to get the ball because those 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 opportunities are so fleeting. Every opportunity for a game-changing play must play into Michigan State's hands. You've heard us say this before. When you're playing a team at this level, you got to pitch almost a perfect game. So yep. um, it's going to have to come down to those type of plays, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, you always look at one of these games. We, it feels like we say it every week this year, but it's you got to win time of possession and turnovers. And I think realistically time of possession is not a necessarily winnable battle mm-hmm. in this game. So turnovers are going to become paramount. And Ohio State thus far this year has actually done a pretty good job uh, with the turnovers. They've recovered seven fumbles through mm-hmm. four games. Um, they do only have two interceptions, one of which was a pick six in, last, in, in that game against Indiana by Sean Wade, who was their, their well, main corner. There it is, Austin. That is, right. the, that is the Achilles heel, the weakness, the thing to exploit. And fortunate for Spartan fans, frankly, the only throw you can feel truly confident that Rocky Lombardi can make <laughs> is a deep ball. Ohio State secondary, I can confidently tell you that they stink. I don't think it's I don't think that's bad to say they're 117th out of 127 teams in uh, pass passing yards given up a game. They give up almost 300 passing yards a game. Well, I mean, you know, Michael, Michael Penix threw for 491 on just 27 completions. You're talking 20, you know, that that's bomb after bomb after bomb. And yeah, I I mean. Uh, listen, if, if 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 we now switch to Michigan State's offense versus Ohio State's defense, this is not a vintage Ohio State defense. I mean, the last handful of years, you know, they've had the likes of you know Chase Young. They had like they've had. I feel like they've had a, a defensive back drafted. What's that? <laughs> yeah, the Lions' number one pick. Jeff yeah, Okuda. Jeff Okuda. Yeah, I mean they they've had a defensive back picked in the first round like each of the last handful of four or five years. Everybody kind of thought that was going to be Sean Wade, but man, after last week, he he mm-hmm. he's gotten picked on quite a bit. I mean, the Penn State big receiver uh, picked on him. Fry Fogel went for three touchdowns, often covered by Wade, and then after him, there's even kind of a drop off. I mean, Marcus Williamson, Ryan Watts, seven uh, oh what's it, seven Banks. Um, none of these guys are, you know, light the world on fire, at least at this point in time. It's kind of weird because, like, I think Seven Banks is a junior and you've never really heard of him, which, yeah, it's Ohio State. But, like, when one of those guys is playing at Ohio State, that's almost a red flag in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, it, it, you know, as Ohio State defenses go, this one's relatively pedestrian. And actually, one thing that really jumped out at me is as I looked at their their roster, especially the defense it's not a big group. Like, I don't know that they really have, you know, the, the Davon Hamilton or the kind of that nose tackle um, that they've had, uh, you know, quite a, quite often in, in their defenses and the linebackers, honestly, you know, Pete Werner's solid, tough Orleans, fine. Baron Browning, you know, not bad, but it's not, you can't look at this defense and find me at least at this point through four games, a, Difference maker, standout guy. I guess the closest thing would be the defensive tackle, Tommy uh, Togiai, if I guess that's how you say his name. Mm-hmm. He's got three sacks on the year. But again, defensive tackle, they only list him at 6'2", 300. I'm not saying that that's small because it's a very large person. Mm-hmm. But as Ohio State defensive tackles go, like that's a 
very pedestrian sized defensive tackle and all three of his sacks came against a bad Penn state team. So, um, you know, the, the point of the matter is that personnel wise, yeah, they're still more talented than Michigan state, but like, this isn't some nor like some lights out Ohio state defense like you've seen before. Yeah. They really struggled um, replacing or, you know, reloading from that draft class last year, which I think they had seven NFL guys, which is incredible. And well, figure it out, figure it out, Ryan. Day. I don't feel bad for you personally. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're giving up 26 points a game. Ohio state's MO this year is just going to outscore you. Like there's no qualms about it. They're just going to try and outgun you. And frankly, there are very few teams in the country who can. Um, they will probably meet those teams in the playoffs should they make it. Uh, that said, um, you know, Michigan State can probably score on this defense. This is not the defense that uh, Michigan State elected to take a safety against to try and advance the ball. They are not at that elite level. I'm sorry to conjure up that memory, I but about on, that. <laughs> on, man, that is just we gotta we gotta laugh. That is hilarious. That's uh, uh, great. This is not a team, you know. They're not going to suffocate you um, in that way, or or at least they haven't shown that they will to date. Um, they give up about 400 yards a game on defense. That's not good. Uh, their rush defense is pretty stout. Um, they're pretty disciplined. You know, they, they're, while not huge, they're disciplined much in the way that Northwestern uh, is disciplined. Um, but, but I, yeah, we keep mentioning it. the passing defense, there's a lot of holes. And, and uh, you know, now I'm reaching. I have no, no reason to believe this is actually true. But um, if there was an area that they were undermanned, it's already in the secondary. If there were folks in that area that were no longer able to play in this game, Things get even more interesting for Michigan State. Let's put it yeah, that because I, I would totally agree with you. I mean, Jalen Naylor has already shown he has the speed to already take the top off of an, an Ohio State secondary. Same with Jaden Reed, frankly. Um, you put those guys against maybe some greener skills uh, folks, um, things can start to get interesting because we said Rocky can throw one ball deep. And that's what they're going to have to do to, to, to keep up with Ohio State in this game. Yeah, I mean, there's really only one option. And I will say this thing, this about Ohio State's rush. It's extremely skewed by their game against Indiana. Like, they, whatever the total numbers are super skewed because Indiana ended up running the ball only 16 times for a total of uh, negative one yard. Well, so they, they bailed out. They stopped. Right. They, I mean, they, they give the ball to Stevie Scott typically, you know, 18 to 20 times a game. He got the ball seven times for six yards in this game. I mean, they threw the ball 51 times. I think Indiana did what Michigan State, honestly, the model they probably should try to follow, especially, you know, total speculation. But if the bodies that were out for Ohio State were in the secondary, I, I wouldn't run the ball. Why waste the down? Unless you're trying unless you are somehow winning in this game by 10 points and you're trying to kill clock like i would simply not run the ball and, and yeah. you have well you you only have so many choices i mean again this is not again not a vintage ohio state defense i think msu will probably be able to run the ball better than indiana they'll definitely run for more than negative one yards because they are going to try to run and i think you'll see a decent amount of lombardi running too because it worked so well 
just a week ago. Um, but really the, the recipe here for MSU to win is, is not all that difficult to figure out. So, so here's more good news. If, if you're, if you're looking for glimmers of hope here, Nebraska ran for 210 yards against them. 24 of the rushes came from their quarterbacks for 165 yards with two, with a long of a 47 yard run from Luke McCaffrey and a 39 yard run from Adrian Martinez. Does Rocky Lombardi have the wheels of those guys? No. Can he do damage with a run, uh, a read option? He's going to have to. So, mm-hmm. so there are options. Rutgers, on the other hand, they gave the ball to Aaron Crookshank uh, a couple of times. They found different ways to get the ball around to, to grind out 141 yards rushing. So there are other ways to do it. I know, you know, brace yourself, Spartan fans, but the jet sweep may be back. Oh, I'll um, be back. <laughs> and, and frankly, it, it, that play is fine as long as it's to the far side of the field and you're giving it to a all-conference sprinter in Jalen Naylor. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but then Penn State, they tried to do the – they tried to um, – line up and beat them. And guess what? They ran the ball 27 times for 44 yards. Right. It's just not going to work. No. I mean, when you play a team, when you're an inferior talent, the normal ways are not going to work to beat great teams like Ohio State. It's just not going to happen. Now, if you're Clemson or you're Alabama, even if you're Notre Dame, you can line up and play bully ball and probably – you know, you're not punching up, you're punching straight or maybe yeah. even down with some of those teams. So like you're, you have the ability to do that, but given the talent gap right now, it's not that Michigan state can't stay in this game. I actually think the more that I've looked into Ohio state, the potential uh, roster, you know, turnover that might be happening here. Um, you know, it, it, if MSU is able to make Justin Fields uncomfortable turn him over a time. I mean, they, they absolutely have to win the turnover battle in this game. You cannot lose the turnover. That's, that's what cost Indiana here. Indiana won the turnover battle by a lot and still lost this game, despite throwing for nearly 500 yards and, uh, you know, doing all these other great things. And it's because Ohio state's offense is, is just that good. So MSU is going to have to take away something. Uh, I mean, you got to slow down the, I think the, the goal would be slow down the running game, turn fields over once or twice. And you're, you're going to have to, to have a pick somewhere or a fumble somewhere. Um, and then, you know, offensively you have to hit a couple bombs. I mean, you're going to have to probably do more than that. Honestly, Lombardi's going to have to throw two touchdowns. They're going to have to find, a, they're going to, if you want to beat Ohio, and this is being very generous, you're going to have to find a way to score 31 points. Yeah. I, I, at a, at a minimum, you're going to have to find a way to, to top that 30, 31, 35 mark, because, Ohio State's going to find a way to score on at a minimum four to five drives in this game, like uh-huh. at, at a minimum. And that's if you play a perfect game. Yeah. So you got to cross that number and you got to find a way to do it. And MSU's best bet is going to be um, cashing in on turnovers and hitting a few bombs. And and listen, they could they could make this game entertaining. I, I don't you know, if you would have looked at this a few weeks ago, you would have thought blowout done, uh-huh. not close. And listen, it could still end up that way, like make no mistake, but I'm less inclined to think that that's going to happen. I'm more inclined to think Ohio State probably wins by, you know, anywhere 14 to 17 still wins. But um, I don't know if it's going to be this massive 
blowout, or or maybe it will be in the in, uh, but it, and that's okay as long as the score doesn't actually tell the story of the game. So a few more stats I think are important. You mentioned MSC is going to have to keep up. Um, they're going to have to score on probably a gadget play too. Mm-hmm. You're just going to have to catch them with something they've never seen before. Um, secondarily. The red zone conversions for Ohio State is not great. Tenth in the conference. They've scored uh, 17 touchdowns and two field goals on 24 attempts. So imperative that you hold them to field goals because, as you mentioned, they are going to drive the ball. And I think the part that is most frustrating is that they're fourth in the nation in third down conversions. They convert on 54.4% of third downs. Like, imagine how disheartening that is for a defense. So, um, you know, they are going to move the ball. They are going to convert on over half of their third downs. Can you keep them out of the end zone? And once, if you can keep them out of the end zone, this is really interesting. Ohio State's two for five on the year on field goals. But more interestingly than that, they have a miss from three different kickers. Yeah, I noticed that. I don't don't know the story behind that. You know, so, so... (laughs) <laughs> if there's a problem there, if there's been injuries, but I think that seems like there's a problem. I'm willing like, to go that far. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a problem. So, so can you get lucky? You know, can you hold to to field goals and maybe the, there's some misses there? And then I think the final thing talked about a perfect game. Uh, the one thing that Michigan State a war in all five of their games has been the special teams outside yep. of Matt Coughlin. You know. Um, playing a little hero ball for us. You, Michigan State is one of the worst in the conference, probably in the nation too, in preventing yardage on punt returns and kick returns. When you play a team as talented as Ohio State, um, you can't give up easy yards like that. And then on the flip side, we've seen and you know, scream about it from the rooftops, no more fair catches inside the five-yard line. Oh, God. I mean, it's simple stuff. Right. It is. Well, you have to play you have to play the Northwestern level of competent. You have to you have to have a like if Michigan State wants to win this at all, you have to have a very high floor of decision making and execution. And then on top of that, you're going to have to play at the top of your ceiling. Like there's no room. There's no room for dumb decisions against Ohio State. You you are not at a talent level. You can afford to have any of those dumb decisions, despite maybe this, like I said, not being the best Ohio State team that we've ever seen. It's still a team that should make the college football playoff. You know, I don't know. I will say I don't know that they're Clemson Bama level this year. I don't think they are. I think they're a, a, a notch below that, probably on the same ish tier as Notre Dame, maybe a little bit above them. But, you know, it, the Think about the company that we're talking about. We're talking about a, a nationally elite team without question. Um, and if you're Michigan State sitting here at two and three with admittedly with two nice wins, one over a top 10 team. But, you, you know, it, that doesn't matter. You have to you have to execute in this game. You have to play that that level of perfect that we did see a lot from Mark Antonio teams in these situations. And I think that if I'm looking at one thing from this team, it's first of all, again, how are you responding? to coming off of a big win because you did not respond well to that the first time. So right. big opportunity to bounce back here. And that was on the road and against a very good Iowa team or frisky Iowa team. Uh, mm-hmm. This is at home and against, you know, a really, really, really good Ohio state team. But nonetheless, are you at least coming out 
and looking like maybe not you're looking like you belong. You need to look like a competent football team in this game. If they come out and just completely dump their pants again, then I think a lot of those same questions that you were rightfully asking of Mel Tucker um, and Jay Johnson and everybody else are just going to bubble right back up. But listen, even if they lose this game by 21, 20, what? Yeah. 21. Like as long as they come out and look competent, prepared, they have a game plan and they have an identity. That's what we're looking for here. I mean, we saw it, honestly, we saw it between, um, you know, the, the week before Northwestern and then that Northwestern game during that bye week, you saw the improvement in the running game. You saw the improvement in the blocking schemes. You want to see that similar type of improvement and competency and, 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 um, game planning and understanding the basics like that's what i'm looking to see in this game not necessarily the end score more of the intent like the the tangible coaching that you're seeing during the game yeah the last little wrinkle while we don't know the personnel that it'll be playing this game for ohio state completely we do know that ryan day the head coach will not be traveling or coaching in this game Mm -hmm. are there enough funny situations where there's hesitancy or or you know, arrogance, bullishness from Ohio State that that bite them. You know, are there fourth down decisions that they, yeah. they they're not prepared for, or or rather, Ryan Day would have been prepared for that the um, whomever is Larry Johnson, I believe, is the is the mm-hmm. those are decisions he's gonna have to make on the fly. Are you ready for that? Is he ready for that? I don't know. So so there's just that little bit of advantage for Michigan State as well. So yeah, and you've got to press that advantage. Like yeah, you don't absolutely. get you don't get many advantages over Ohio State. So when you get them, you got to press them. So I completely agree. Like you you gotta you gotta put yourself in a situation to take advantage of that. Yeah, make it make them make on the fly decisions. We know when they Ohio State scripts things, they score. As I mentioned, four games. Four opening drive touchdowns. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. On the fly stuff, Justin Fields making decision stuff, now you have a chance. So um, how do you create more of those situations? And, and that's the path, a narrow path, but that's the path here for, for Michigan State this weekend. Austin, should we do a bonus hoops preview? I think we should, John. Let's do it. Go ahead. Okay. So, well, well um, first of all, let's let's caveat this with the fact that yeah, we know a basketball game happened on Tuesday, and yes, we plan to talk about it a lot next week. Thank you. It's yes. true. And this Western <laughs> Michigan game on Sunday kind of snuck up on us because um, usually we we preview two games a week and never give a second thought about there being three. Um, to be honest, we were not in midseason form. You know, <laughs> the game got us back there, but here we are. We're making amends. Uh, Spartans take on the Broncos, uh, Western Michigan on Sunday, the 6th, uh, on Big Ten Network. So Sunday scaries uh, can be pushed off for at least a couple hours as as you watch uh, Michigan State take on an, an underwhelming Western Michigan team. But but I will give them this. They played one game, and they lost that game to Butler, 66-62, to a pretty strong showing, I would say. Now, this is not the, the Butler – that Michigan State fans would remember. It's a kind of a mid-Butler. But uh, this they've had a long layoff, and, and Michigan State is their next game since that game against Butler. And um, in that game, Western Michigan did some things that I don't think people, 
are pretty sustainable. They went nine of 18 from three. They out-rebounded the Bulldogs. Um, and their best player, who who goes, his name is B. Artis White. His name, I think his name is actually B. Period, which is awesome. awesome. Six feet, 150 pounds. And he was the leading scorer. Mm. Um, if there's ever a time for Foster Lawyer to feel comfortable <laughs> the, the defensive end, this would be seemingly be it. And Michigan State, you'd like to think, would be hammering, be able to hammer uh, the Broncos on the boards, even though they, as I mentioned, out-rebounded Butler. But no one on the Western's roster is over six foot nine. So for me, from a Michigan State perspective, there are a lot of opportunities um, for Maddie Sissoko and even AJ uh, Hogard to see. Don't the- say it. Don't you dare pronounce his name that way. So it's so to, to be clear, his name is pronounced that way. But Austin, you know what? We're gonna go with our way. Hog- yeah, it's it, it's Hoggard. The it's hog dog. The, the hog dog. Yeah, the same way it's Pe- Phoenix. It's Hoggard. He doesn't get to make that choice. <laughs> uh, so I I think what'll be interesting in in this game. Um, you know, these are kind of those fun early non-con games where you get to learn a little bit more about the depth of your roster. And I think what's interesting about this one is that it comes after several games where we have already learned a lot about that depth. Right. And that depth is already nine legit people deep. Um, so I think where what really becomes interesting in this game and what maybe tips the hand a little bit and in the Detroit Mercy game that's going to be tonight too. So these two games really um, is – how the bottom two or three rotation spots, assuming this rotation locks in at nine, who's getting those minutes? I mean, one thing without getting too much into Duke uh, is that you saw Julius Marble make a big time statement in that game saying, Thomas Kittier, I'm, I'm coming for your spot. Uh, played his ass off in that game. Will that carry over to UDM and Western? Will, you know, is, is that uh, a harbinger of things to come or is, is that just a flash in the pan? We've seen both before. So that's one big spot. I think the foster, this is, this is a time for him to prove whether these first three games and kind of the competency that we've seen, even against Duke, where he was clearly physically outmatched, saw a lot of competence from him in that game, some comfortability, hit some big free throws at the end, hit a three. I mean, do we see something that's resembling this confident foster or do we, or do we take a step back and does that open the door for, for Hogard to Hogard, excuse me, to get some <laughs> real minutes in these two games? I mean, sure. those two spots I think are, are very, very um, interesting. I think the final thing that you'd like to see here, and it's funny because we kept the track of Tillman and Winston's minutes. I feel like the last two years being like, we can't, <laughs> they can't sustain this. To a lesser degree, to a much lesser degree, you'd like to keep Aaron Henry, possibly Joey Hauser, and Josh Langford, I would think would be the third one. You'd like to keep those minutes down in these games, maybe even Rocket Watts, um, although I'd like to give him as many minutes at the point as he can get so he can get a little more comfortable there. But um, I think those those kind of the, you know, uh, Henry is going to be playing just about every minute of every game down the stretch. Hauser probably right in that same boat. And then Josh, obviously, with the foot. Um, you don't want to press that too hard too early here in the early part of the season. So I think the rotation will be the thing to me that's the the most interesting. And then in this game against UD Mercy, you know, how do you bounce back after a big one on the road? I mean, that that's always a big thing to look for. And I think one thing 
I don't personally have a huge worry about this team responding because of the leadership and the upperclassmen. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a big deal. So I think, again, thing to look for for me is rotation, especially how the bottom part of it starts to shake out in this game. Yeah, I think it, it, these are the types of games where, you know, we start to learn a little bit more about that rotation. There are games within the games, as you mentioned, you know, who is Marble and Kithy are fighting out for minutes. Can Matty Sissoko insert himself into that yep. conversation, you know, uh, to, to, to try and steal some, some minutes. Um, and as you said, you know, chipping away from Aaron Henry's 35 against Duke, you know, let's cut that down a little bit um, and, and see, see if we can spread the the minutes around a little bit to everybody. And, and who knows, maybe this is the game where uh, Steven Izzo gets a bucket. <laughs> it might be, it could be step back Jack territory too. Um, I love that. You know what I think is really interesting is it's kind of funny because you, when I start looking ahead at looking at you, you know, these games against unranked teams, you usually worry when you're ranked in the top 10 about being like, wow, we've really got this huge bullseye on our back. Uh-huh. But then I look at the, the rankings in front of Michigan state and there's three big 10 teams up there. Although Illinois might not stay there after losing last night to Baylor. Right. Like, MSU is not even the biggest dog right now from a rankings perspective in no. the Big Ten. So I think that's a really – that's a different dynamic than it's been the last handful of years where MSU is kind of clear-cut in a lot a lot of the time being the, the number one with people kind of chasing them. I, I think MSU is going to get to play the hunter more than the hunted this year. Um, maybe not more, but at least for a period of time. So that will be really interesting. Which is wild considering they're back-to-back-to-back lead champions. <laughs> But hey, you know, overlook, overlook Michigan State at your own demise. I mean, the the conference title, it runs through East Lansing until further notice. Um, so anticipate Michigan State um, with what should be some some easier wins compared to or games compared to the rest of the schedule should be about a twenty point favorite in both. So um, you know, hope hope to see some some fireworks too, see some fun stuff. So. Uh, yeah, three games in a row. We got a Friday hoops, Saturday football, Sunday hoops. Not not a bad weekend, huh? Not bad at all. And we'll we'll be back on Monday to talk about all of it. Awesome. Um, yeah. All right, guys. Well, we wanted to drop in. Thanks for making some time for us here on your busy Fridays. Um, go green and see what happens. You know why not? All right, guys. Uh, thanks as always for sticking with us. For John, it's been Austin. We'll catch you next week. See ya.